Welcome back to Bringing Down the House, a podcast of Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity. I am Allie Parrish, Executive Director of Iowa Heartland Habitat, and Jacqueline and I are excited to launch season two of Bringing Down the House. We can't do the work of Iowa Heartland Habitat without many different community partners. This season, entitled Building Community, we will highlight several of those unique and essential partnerships. Today, to kick off season two, Jacqueline and I will be visiting with House of Hope Development Coordinator, Dusky Steele, about their incredible work with homeless women in our community and our partnership Framing Hope program. Thank you for tuning in and please consider getting involved with our local mission by volunteering your time or making a financial or material donation. More information can be found on our website at webuildhabitat.org or by following Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to season two of Bringing Down the House. I'm Jacqueline Madison, joined alongside my lovely co-host, the executive director of the Iowa Heartland for Habitat for Humanity. Wow, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> Jeez, it was only a couple weeks and you already <laughs> forgot how to say yeah, it. I told you I was rusty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Miss Allie Parrish. Hey. Woo! Hello, everybody. Glad to be back. I, I can't believe we're in season two. I know. What is, did we get picked up by NBC or something? Like, I think how does so. this work? I think so. They're, it's close. I We're mean, working I, a deal. I don't get a paycheck like I work for NBC. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, if we got picked up by someone, at least send me a paycheck. Or like a <laughs> flower coming. arrangement. It's, it's coming. It's coming. Hey, we got you chocolates. When? We did do that. When? What? When yes, did we, we give me chocolates? We did. <laughs> I hold up now. I'm missing something. You literally did not get them? No. <laughs> when did I get chocolates? We sent them to you. When? <laughs> I never got chocolates. This is not going well. This is not. What a great way to start. Nora's over here blushing. <laughs> she has no clue what to do. I'm not lying to you, Allie. I'm not lying. I did not get chocolates. Okay. I mean, it's right. <laughs> This is not going well. It's the um, thought that counts, We though. did. I mean, I believe you. I 100% believe you. They just never the, made it to my... We had the most amazing chocolatery stom in town, and oh. they were supposed to go, go to you. No. Okay. They didn't, but All right. it's fine. Okay, well, that's something to investigate. <laughs> Oh man, wow. that that will be that will be the one thing that will be the the continuing storyline in all of season two. Yes. Did Jacqueline ever get his chocolates? Find out on episode two of Bringing Down the House. Exactly. I mean, that's where we're at, honestly. It really is. I mean, now I I like I'm speechless. <laughs> I can but really go for some chocolates. We not really do appreciate you. I I appreciate you. I appreciate all the work that you and Nora. I remember mm-hmm. the first episode I called her Laura. Yep. Uh, but all the, the work that you and Nora do. And I love uh, kind of what we're focusing on this season. Mm-hmm. We kind of have a little bit of a theme. Yeah, we Isn't do. Is that correct? You want yeah, to talk, talk to him about it, Allie? Yeah, well, we were excited for season one just to get it launched and didn't know really how it was going to go and, and trying something new. But we had a great time and we were able to really kind of set the tone and the baseline for, for what the podcast is going to be about. But most importantly, what Habitat's mission is all about in the community. So we had a great time interviewing uh, lots of different folks, staff and all kinds of different partners and, and folks involved. 
involved and had great topics explored and really kind of, like I said, set the baseline for affordable housing and what Habitat's mission is in the community. We wanted to kind of transition now and in season two, focus on the building community part of our mission and we thought, you know, we can't do this alone. And there are so many great partnerships and so many great organizations out there that are doing things uh, pertaining to housing, volunteerism, you know, all kinds of different things in the community. And so we wanted to feature and highlight those partnerships this time around. So we're excited. Yeah, I'm super excited. And we have a, a wonderful list of people that are uh, just amazing mm-hmm. in this community that have worked with um, Habitat and just do some amazing things in their own organization. So I'm really excited not only just to get and sit down and talk to them, but for the rest of the community to kind of meet them and, and hear a little bit about what they do. Absolutely. So it's going to be fun. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's season two, but not much has changed. As you see, we are still on our same old tactics. <laughs> uh, nothing has changed with Allie and I, but one thing that still hasn't changed is our mission moment and I'm super excited because we are going to be hearing from some staff members throughout this season on their mission moments and today to kick off season two our first mission moment comes from the wonderful the talented a former guest on the co-host on the co-host on the podcast (laughs) I swear I know what I'm doing people if we would have just gotten you those chocolates (laughs) it all goes back to the chocolates it all goes back to the chocolates ladies and gentlemen uh, ladies and gentlemen, our mission moment today comes from Andy Conger, who is the Neighborhood Services Manager for Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity. So let's take a listen. We recently had the opportunity uh, this past spring to work with a youth group um, from a church here in the area. And this group is planning a trip to go down to Mexico to build two houses for a, a couple of families down there. And we decided it was a great opportunity to partner together and have them come out and help us build a shed project for one of our, our rehab homes. And it was very mutually beneficial in the fact that they got to come help us with a needed project, but also got the experience needed to go down and have a more successful missions trip in Mexico. So. I thought this represented very well how Habitat is a local mission, but also has an international component and how what we do here, the good work that we do in our community can have a greater global impact in our world. Oh, that was Andy. Yeah, that that's, was cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's always good to, to see things like that. And again, when, and he put it a great way at the end of that, you know, how we can expand to to help and to benefit and to to take in a youth group to take in these kids and to provide them experience so that what they're doing is going to be just even that more enriching and mm-hmm. beneficial to those people down in Mexico. I I love that. That's just wonderful. Absolutely. I think oftentimes about the ripple effect, you know, and um, we hear that a lot just with folks that come out to volunteer, just how important it was to them and how they carry that forward into their lives, you know, into other organizations that they then want to serve or globally or just in their families or the community in general. So those are great, great experiences. Yeah, it's all about serving the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what, that's why we're here. Exactly. That's why we're here. That's why our guest is here as well. This, this woman is outstanding. Uh, I have had the pleasure of meeting her a few times. I don't know if she remembers this or not. She's yeah. probably like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> what was the, what, what situation? <laughs> or she probably just tried to block it out of her memory. 
but ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a great, great deal of honor to welcome to our podcast, Miss Dusky Steele, and I want to make sure that I get her title right here, because I'm horrible with these, <laughs> Development Coordinator at House of Hope. She graduated from Portland State University with a BA in Administration of Justice and Sociology, uh, but this woman has over 15 years of experience working in social services and has been with House of Hope for seven years. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Dusky Steele. Yeah, I you feel just follow me around and introduce <laughs> me all over the whole place? That was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as long as you pay me in chocolate. <laughs> I will get you chocolate. <laughs> Let me tell you, what you don't want is a debt owed in chocolate, okay? <laughs> No, I think that, I think that should be the name of this uh, episode of the podcast. Where's the chocolate? <laughs> uh, Dusky, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have you. Uh, before we get any further into other conversation, uh, just tell us tell us a little bit about what House of Hope is and how to help serve the community. Yes, well, House of Hope has been in the community for over twenty five years. And we provide transitional housing for single mother families and women aging out of foster care so that they can achieve independence and permanent housing and secure families. Wonderful, wonderful. And House of Hope has been around for how many years? Over 25. It started in 1995. Wonderful. Yeah. I was negative one years old <laughs> in 1995. Dusky and I don't appreciate that comment. <laughs> We're not talking about age here. No. We're talking about impact. <laughs> Come on. That was disrespectful. I, I, my apologies. That was disrespectful. I, I completely understand. Dusky, so we have mothers that enter the program out of the foster care system, you said? Well, okay, so we have our our program for single mothers um, who are in homelessness or at risk for becoming homeless. And then we also have our prevention program, which is relatively new. It started in 2018. It's Pillars. And that's our transitional housing programming for women who age out of foster care, ages 18 to 24. So they don't necessarily have children. They might... It, have a baby or be pregnant and they would be there and then they would transition over to our other building but yeah generally it's just young women aging out of foster care who you know there's just a gap in services there there are aftercare services but not housing mm-hmm. so I bet that would be a real challenge you know for for those women what are the kinds of things that you see them facing if they didn't have you know the supportive services of house of hope well they are at very high risk for becoming single homeless mothers okay and so that's kind of where we went with it because you know we we want to be on the preventative side of things too I mean I love what we do right and we see that it works so why not do it for women so that they don't fall through the cracks absolutely absolutely one of the things that I loved so much when I first learned about House of Hope was just philosophically how aligned the mission of House of Hope is with the mission of Habitat. And we've talked about, and Karen and I have talked about before, just the beauty of that and how we operate in similar with similar philosophies, I would say. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit on your end of things for, for House of Hope. Um, and I guess maybe that hand up, not a handout kind of concept that's similar mm-hmm. to Habitat. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I was about to say yeah. is, that is our philosophy. We've seen that when women's basic needs are met, when they're not worried about where their kids are going to sleep at night and things like that, if they're given opportunity and access to resources, they thrive. So that's what we do. And our philosophy really is about empowering women so that they can be not just not homeless, but so that they can thrive. 
Absolutely. And basically, they work with a case manager, identify barriers, and then we develop programming around that mm-hmm. so that we are digging deeper. We're looking at longevity, long-term success. So we're talking employment, transportation, child care. Gosh, we even have a legal clinic on site a couple times a month now. And mental health. We've just started to, in the last couple of years, we brought on a family support and a wellness case manager. And so she works on the mental health side of things, which is we know that being homeless is traumatic in and of itself. Absolutely. And talk about, in addition to all the, the participation that they have to have, but they also have to pay a fee, correct? Yes. So they pay a program fee and it's okay. $250 a month and that's for everybody regardless of family size. And the purpose of that is to have buy-in mm-hmm. into the program. There is nowhere you go and live for free. Right. And also to kind of get in the habit of putting your housing first. And so and we understand that if you know, right when they get there, they might not be able to do that or they might not have a job yet, but they have to pay that. But we do work out a payment plan with them as long as they're communicating with the case managers and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the part too that really resonates and being parallel to the program that we have in that in the sense that, you know, it's really important that people get used to the responsibilities that they are going to have to be able to sustain their lives. And that piece of that is super important for us. And I, and I know it is for you as well. Yeah, I think that women who are, or people in general, who are coming out of poverty and oftentimes generational poverty, mm-hmm. they have to make really tough choices. And they're used to making those choices of rent or utilities or food and not being able to pay all of it. So it's really important to understand money management and priorities and a spending plan, which we work with our women on all that. And I know that that's kind of something that you guys do too. Dusky, I mean, the goal is not for these women to stay there forever. So what is life like after House of Hope? I really love this part because we have, well, last year during a pandemic, mind you, 94% of women who left our program left with stable housing and gained full employment, meaning they were earning a living wage. So after House of Hope, they keep in touch with us and we're working to develop a way to measure long-term success, you know, six months, one year, and just kind of keep going. Right now, it's sort of like they stay in touch with us, so we know they're doing well, but they don't have to, you know. They can stay for up to two years. The average stay, I think, is about 15 months. Unless they are in the Framing Hope program, then they stay until their house is built, closer to three years. And what is the Framing Hope program? (laughs) Well, do you want to start with that? Well, yeah. So um, one of the cool collaborations that we've been really excited to launch with House of Hope is our Framing Hope program. It's been in the works for, you know, a few years now and took some time to kind of develop and also identify a participant and participants that would be able to do the program. So typically on Habitat side of things, when a buyer comes into the program or is officially approved into the program, they are already ready essentially at that point for a home loan. Uh, they, they could sign the documents the next day, essentially. They still have to go through all the process, but really their financials are in order. And what we decided is that what we saw with House of Hope and our mission alignment and things like that is we would love to see a mother be able to leave House of Hope's program and move directly into a home of habitats. And what that took was on our end of things, and I'll let Dusky speak about her end of things, but on our end of things, it meant that we had to pre-approve someone for the program 
program and allow them to start in their hours and all that stuff with set goals that they had to reach by the time basically that the, the house was built or by the time maybe six months from when the house would be done or what have you. So we were kind of flexing, allowing a little bit more time and development. And then they were, you know, identifying someone that they thought could actually meet that stretch goal. So on your end of things, you know, you've kind of agreed to some things too. Yeah. Well, they have to go through the financial mentoring program yes. and they work really closely with our case managers on learning about a spending plan. They pull their credit report. They see what's on there. If they have debts or fines, they create a plan to pay that off. And then employment. I mean, they have to ha- earn enough money to be able to pay a mortgage. We have an eight-week program. It's called Boost. And so they can do it that way where we have partnerships in the community with businesses who agree to hire them on if they're successful, earning a living wage with room to grow or just on their own, which this woman did on her own, our very first gal. Yeah. And also just working with on the mental health side of things again, just addressing trauma so they can handle future adversity mm-hmm. so they don't get in their own way of being successful. So mm-hmm. really on our end, it's identifying the barriers again and then just making sure that they have access to programming and tools and resources so that they can overcome all of that. Yeah. And I think what's cool too is on your end, like you said, you know, you also allow them up to that extra year basically that they could stay at House of Hope if that ultimate homeownership ends up being the end game with Habitat, you know, which is great. So it's been great to partner on this and both of us take a look at our traditional models and say, okay, this works, this probably won't quite work. How are we going to have to flex? How are we going to have to add in something here or there or extend or change so that we can do this together? So on our end, we reserve one to two spots every year specifically for an identified family that is living at House of Hope and kind of reserve those uh, positions. And really because too, to see someone, typically it's, it's, it's unlikely that you'll see someone move to the status of either homelessness or on the verge of homelessness or at risk for homelessness to home ownership in two to three years. Like I just got goosebumps when you said that because it is so incredible and it's the ultimate success story. And acquiring assets that you can pass down to your children breaks that cycle of homelessness and poverty. And so like we're doing it. Exactly, (laughs) which is so fun. Allie, let me ask you this, and, and Dusky, please feel free to, to chime in on it as well. When we think of, and we've talked about it before, I mean, there's a long wait list at Habitat mm-hmm. for people to go through this process and to obtain a home. Why, as an organization, did you make the conscious decision to say, you know what, we're just going to hold the you know one or two spots every year, and we're going to partner with this organization? Like, well, what was the what was the reasoning behind that? What was the meaning behind that, and why House of Hope? Well, I think that honestly, I mean, that's that's kind of a hard question because there are a lot of needs, and so why why do this, right? So I think on on one level, the partnership element, the fact that you know that that families are getting such support of services from House of Hope on such a a deep level and that we thought that maybe this could be in in collaboration and partnership, you know, an extra kind of carrot dangled to help a family really vision even a further future for themselves than just just survival, you know, but thriving too, which is something that we see all the time with families. But I also think the opportunity to really partner with another local organization and all the strength and resources and intelligence and all the, the beauty that they bring and bring the two together together. You don't see it always happening that often. I think it happens more than people think, but it was just a really great opportunity for us as well to see that partnership come to fruition. Yeah. And it's been 
obviously the same for us. You know, after that first mom in February mm-hmm. uh, moved into her very own home, which was amazing. Yeah. Other women in House of Hope now see that as a possibility. And so it's, it is creating hope. And we have other moms who are now accepted into the program mm-hmm. and yeah. other moms who now see it as a possibility for them too. And it's really helped us. It's that, that prong. We, we yeah. want to be like a multi-prong, comprehensive approach because there's not just one Band-Aid approach that can, you know, solve homelessness or whatnot. So this is like another prong. Right. And And I think it was also a population we identified we don't have a lot of relationship with is the, you know, a lot of the families that come into our program or apply, they're much closer to that level of stability. And just maybe one more step will help them get over that, that hump. And so we felt like there was a gap there too, that there's families that were maybe leaving House of Hope that would have a really, really long stretch to get to the level of the families that would potentially qualify on the habitat side of things. And so we wanted to to come together and really shorten that gap and really allow an opportunity for families that really would have had to continue to work really hard to get there and believe really that it was possible that if Mm -hmm. we really put our heads together, put our programs together, we could do this and actually elevate these families faster. And that building hope element, like you said, really stood out to me. Um, That is part of our mission, you know, is building homes, communities and hope. And so that hope factor is where we're obviously very aligned. Kind of to go with what you just said, Badesky, earlier you mentioned, you said that one of the goals is to find stable housing. Define what you mean by stable housing. Something more permanent. So we're not we're not talking about, oh, she moved in with her mother. And, you know, of course that sometimes does happen, but but the goal is that they have a place that they can afford that is suitable for housing and that's not on someone else's couch. And in your opinion, you know, why is it more important that they find this more stable, more permanent home than, you know, renting a house or living with a relative or whatever that situation may be? Well, renting a house is okay. Um, We have plenty of women who exit the program and they find um, a rental apartment or house that they can afford that's appropriate. It's not that that doesn't allow them to thrive in the community if they are reliant on somebody else for their housing. And also they have children and they're single moms and, you know, it's really hard to raise kids when you don't have stable housing. Dusky, on that side of things, you know, one of the things that always is on our minds and hearts too is just how homelessness and that transitioning constantly, you know, and, you know, affects children and their development. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. It's very traumatic for kids. We just actually did a trauma responsive training at House of Hope and talked a lot about that. And it leads to behavioral issues, learning issues. I mean, how can you do homework if you have no home? How can you stay? up with your classmates if you know you're couch surfing and or if you're hungry or if you don't have the right school supplies or you know all of these things so a lot of times these kids they they have these behavioral issues or they don't sleep well they've had trauma yeah and a lot of times they've witnessed it was more than just being homeless you know a lot of times what renders the women that we serve homeless is they're escaping a domestic violence relationship Mm. I mean it's not a requirement to be in our program but unfortunately it's just very common yeah yeah, that that's an interesting piece too is, you know, what are the what are you finding by and large are things that contribute to a mother or single mother finding herself in a situation where she's homeless or on the verge of homelessness. Maybe you can speak a little bit to that too. Well, domestic violence is a big one and there's a lot that goes with that. So moms who are escaping a domestic violence situation, they may not have access to a bank account. They may have they might have 
well, likely they have spotty work history, if work history at all. Mm -hmm. So employment is difficult. They may not even know how to drive if they weren't allowed to drive. If their abuser has the car, then they don't have a, a car. Child care, I mean, part of domestic violence we know is very isolating. And so now they don't have a support network. So it just kind of yeah. goes on with that as far as that piece goes. But we also see, you know, generational poverty is a big one. Everybody's out of everything. So how are you, how is your mom going to be able to help you? Because she's also living in poverty. And we see aging out of foster care is a huge one. And so that's why we started the Pillars program. But going through the foster care system and not finding a forever home or a family that like raises you and teaches you things leading up to adulthood, yeah. they don't graduate high school, maybe definitely don't pursue post-secondary education, you know, work history, education, like all those barriers. Absolutely. So yeah, is it, can anyone come into the House of Hope? I mean, so how, what does the process look like for that? So they have to be homeless or at risk for becoming homeless, and they have to have minor children in their custody. Um, and they fill out an application. And unfortunately, we also have a very long wait list, and it usually hovers around 100 families long, which is just crazy to me. Mm. They call and check in regularly to let us know they still need services or, you know, if any of their contact info changes. And then when an apartment opens up for them, they come in for an interview and they have to be able to pass a drug test. And we do random UAs. That's one of our non-negotiable rules. They have to be drug free. If it's a good fit for the program, I mean, they have to agree to it. Then they move in. And it's similar for the Pillars women. They don't have to have children in their custody, but they have to be 18 to 24 and have spent time in foster care during their teen years. You know, an outstanding program. And we could go on and on and discuss the the wonders that this is. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, you know, verklempt, for lack of a better term. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I know. Really good word. <laughs> I know. I was studying my um, vocabulary for season two, so <laughs> none of my former teachers could come at me. Because <laughs> I'm sure a lot, a, mic of, drop situation. a lot of them had a lot of questions about what they taught me. Or what I just decided to learn. But no, you know, I, I love to hear programs like this. I love that Habitat has such a great relationship with it. You know, personally, I was in a single parent household. My mother was very close to being someone that could have been a part of this program. And, you know, from the kids' perspective, I know it, it can be hard to, to not have a place to call your own. And there's a sense of pride that comes to it. When you can find, like, this is my house, this is my bedroom, this is, you know, I can invite friends over. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm sitting here kind of um, sympathizing or empathizing with those kids in the program. But there's something to be said about the program that you guys have, and there's something to be said about the partnership between both, both you and Habitat and how important it is in this community. Yeah, and partnerships are everything for us, and I, I think for Absolutely. you, too. Um, and it's so important, too. We don't want to duplicate services, and we want to work together to have the best outcome for our community. And so, and this partnership does that. And I just want to go back to what you said about pride, because that was one of our goals with building our new building, was that mm -hmm. it is a place that women can be proud to be at because there's a stigma that goes along with homelessness yeah. and poverty and you know there's an image that people have and it's you know some dirty person pushing a shopping cart and and that's not the case I mean we serve women all across the board and anything can happen to anyone and so we want them to be able to come in and and be proud that they get to be there so I love that you said that 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That makes a huge difference all the time, I think, with families. Is, and we talk about beautiful places and spaces, but just that environment and that setting makes so much difference, I feel, too. What does a good day look like for you, Dusky? Uh, every day is a good day in my job because <laughs> I'm like, I have a front row seat to watching transformation happen. Oh, so it's wonderful. so awesome. But like today, uh, one of our moms, she completed the Boost program and got offered a permanent position Yay. at her placement. Yay. And it's like, that was so awesome. Wow. And, you know, another mom, one day she got her work permit and it's something that she'd been working for. She's not from the U.S. And so, and it was not just like an easy task for her. She's, you know, English is not her first language and and she's got all the barriers. But she did this and she achieved it. And so everyone's cheering in the office. And when one of our moms gets accepted into the Habitat program. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're all crying and cheering. And it's it, like, it's just life changing. Yeah. I remember um, the first dedication of our framing, our first Framing Hope participant. And what really resonated with me is we were so proud of her and we were so excited for her and whatever. And, and we care for her and all these. But to see the depth of connection that she had with you and with your team at House of Hope, it just really resonated with me that that is a depth on a level we will never experience on our own, that that what you guys bring uh, to those families and what you bring in relationship to, you know, with each other is so life-giving and, and life-changing and, and so important. Um, I, I'll never forget how close you know, she feels to all of you guys. And because you really do walk together. And I was, mm-hmm. I was a, a minor bit envious. I mean, you know, because I, because it, it was just like, we feel close to our families, but we don't have a depth like that because we don't live together like that. We don't go through everything together like that. So kudos to you and your team. Um, you're really, really making a difference. And it's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. we love that too. <laughs> just being able to walk alongside them and they're doing the work. We're their cheerleaders. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I, lo- I love what you do. I think it's wonderful. I love the partnership that we have. Uh, I feel very comfortable saying that on behalf of all uh, children with single mothers, thank you, because you provide them support and the courage that they need to, to get back on their feet. And just like we had a lot of support when I was a kid, you know, you provide them that as well as Habitat. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Uh, And thank you for being here with us, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Dusky Steele, outstanding job. Now, Dusky, I don't know how well you are familiar with our little podcast here, um, but (laughs) we do have a little thing that we do at the end of every show. Um, It's a little bit of trivia. Oh my gosh, you don't want me on your team? <laughs> I'm the worst. Oh, we're all on our own team. No, okay. we're, we're all on our own team. Now, I don't okay. know what the track record was last time, but I think I may have just squeezed out a victory. I think Jacqueline uh, definitely <laughs> was the victor by and large. I had a few rando. Taj Mahal. I mean. 100,000 square feet. Restores <laughs> of grandiose sizes that could never be equal. Oh, I mean, gosh. we had quite the time, but Jacqueline definitely, because and I've said this he does a range just be ready he'll do do a range he hedges his bets I do I do ladies (laughs) and gentlemen let's get ready for some trivia let's bring in our wonderful talented beautiful Nora hello (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to respond but we're just gonna jump right in let's do it Nora let's do it Nora 
Okay, so we talked a lot about homelessness today. And so the most common type of homeless assistance in the U.S. is permanent supportive housing. And so 41% of system beds fall under this category. But I want to know if you can tell me what percentage of growth have we seen in permanent supportive housing since 2007? Oh, my Gosh, we've gone to like encyclopedia level. I mean, Nora. Like, looking for a number? Yeah, Nora's <laughs> over here acting like you know we're on like HUD or something. Like, <laughs> last time I checked, I do not work for HUD. I did uh, not get a degree in nonprofit management from Harvard or social <laughs> services the last time Listen, we I, met. I went to school to learn how to breathe and count to four. Okay, <laughs> that's that was my original plan in life. Okay, I did not learn all of this. All right, Dusky, you're our guest, so what do you think? 400. Is that an answer? Um, it is. That is an answer. It's an answer. 400%, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to say 75. 75. So I'm going to try and put a little math behind this here. I'm going to say, because from 2007 to now, that's 14 years. I'm going to say 2% every year. So I'm just going to go ahead and say 30%. I, I, I round it up. Uh, now okay. I hate my answer. <laughs> <laughs> now watch, Dusky's right. Uh, well, it's actually pretty impressive. We've seen a 96% increase. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, but for the record, who was closest? Dusky. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to say Dusky. I think that's who was closest, honestly. That's who, that, I'll put my money on her. I'll take your money. Yeah, just take it. There's not much. Listen, I lost my wallet last week. Oh. I have one card to my name. It has like five bucks on it. So well, I think we all work in nonprofits, so yeah. The way it goes. That's way true. It goes. So we all do work in nonprofits. <laughs> oh man. Well, this is fun to be back. Dusky, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, That's we great. would love to have you back again. Well, if you can't tell, I love talking about House of Hope. Yeah. I, I did not pick that up at all. And these I'm going to have to be a little more energetic next yeah. time. In the, in the 36 minutes we've been talking, I did not pick that up at all. So maybe work on that next time. Yeah, I'll try harder. Okay. I'll okay. bring my A game next time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to call you out in front of everyone, but hey. Well, to be fair, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know I was going to be doing this today. You know that what? is true. That's the life in this industry. Dusty so. is the pinch hitter in all of this. We greatly appreciate it. And I mean, hey, you know, Karen, uh, Karen Rowe, who mm-hmm. is the executive director yep. of House of Hope, if she ever wants to join we are extending an open invitation to you too as well Karen. that's right so. you did great yes. though dusky awesome thank to have you. you wonderful well ladies and gentlemen we thank you so much for coming back for season two this is gonna be just a fun fun season there's so much that we have in store for you and i hope that you stick along to join us uh, i've been jacaylin madison she has been ally Parrish. thank you so much for joining us and we will see you right back here at the same place you found us